Blog Talk Radio. Wonderful. So tell us, what did you do with the family? 
If we enjoyed uh, a time at the beach, we're still here. We'll be here until the 31st. And our family get-together that we have once a year, we come down to families get together, four or five families, and we get together, and, and we just come down and fellowship and have a good time and get to, you know, be with one another, love one another, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's all about, family. We always say family that pray together, stay together, but we got to do more and pray together. We got to learn how to fellowship together and how to get along and, and go out and have, you know, outings together. You know, it, 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 it makes all the difference in family. Woo-hoo! You had already. You starting out good. You said that they need to get along. That's so very important. Why is it important that family get along, Dad? Because family is the foundation of the church. Church don't start in church, then go back to the family. But church starts at home, and it goes to church. We got we we got it backwards. We're trying to have church, and they ain't got no church at the house. Church began in the house when there was no church. There was no steeples. There, there, there was no big uh, sanctuary. It was our living room. Our, our, our bedroom, our only room that we had in the house. And many times people only had one or two rooms in the house. Whatever the room that was, mom and dad made us kneel down and pray. And that's where church started, in the house. We need to bring church back to the house. And our family, training our children up in the way they should go and living a, a holy life before them, that they might have an example because they don't have no more examples than the one we give them. If we don't give them an example at home, then the world is going to get them an example, and that example is going to be wrong. So God requires us to train them up at home in a godly manner by living godly our own self. They can see the love in us, and we love our wives, and our wives love their husbands, and the children can grow up and get married and love their husbands and their wives. But if they see us beating our wives and treating our wives wrong and running around and cheating on our wives, then when they grow up, they're going to do likewise. So we must set up a spiritual pattern, as God had told us, because family is of great importance. Yes, that is so powerful, especially when you said about prayer, that a family that prays together stays together, and to teach young people prayer. What do prayer do in the lives of those young persons? Well, first of all, you got to know what prayer is. Prayer is a communication between God and man. And the Bible said, in all thy ways, we need to acknowledge God, and he would direct that path. God understands that we're not always going to make the right decision. He's not mad at that. He's not punishing us because we don't make We punish our own selves when we don't make the right decisions and won't let God get it and fix it. God wants to direct us. Sometimes we make decisions that are derogatory, are dangerous, deadly. It might affect our marriage, our home, our job. But if we acknowledge God, God will say, no, don't do that. Don't do it that way. This is the way you do it. And he will direct our path so that it'll turn out for our good. Wow, that is powerful. Yes, it's, it's good. Like you said, train up a child and set the example how they should act, how they should be, and, like, most importantly, to know God on a personal level. I see so many people now getting excited that we just got over the Christmas holidays, so everybody is anticipating 2023 coming in, they're making these New Year's resolutions and things like that. What is your advice for the New Year that's coming in? What do you say that people should look forward to? They should look first. They need to check out their relationship with God. This is the most important thing of all. The Bible said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
most important and make sure your relationship with God is on the queue. And if your relationship is right with God, it'll be right with your wife. See, this is why our relationship with our wives and our husbands and, and spirit of Christian uh, spiritual marriages are breaking up more now than natural marriages because we're talking one thing and doing another. When your relationship is with God, you are not going to break up with your husband. You're not going to break up with your wife, and you're not going to have a division in your home that is causing your home to broke asunder if you put God first. So we should go into the new year, and our revolution will be that God first. God first. So very important. Did everyone hear that? We need to put God first. I was reading today that people are posting their New Year's resolution, and one of the things that they said is that we should stop trying to please everybody. What do you say about that, Dan? Well, through my own life experience, uh, if you do it, you got to do it a lifetime because you will never – satisfied everyone. You're always going to have somebody disappointed. I'm always reminded of the story about the the the, the, the father and the son and the donkey. And 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 they said the story goes that the donkey and the father came by and the donkey, and they were walking and they said, why is that father making that son walk when he could put him on the donkey? He goes down the road a little bit further and someone sees the donkey uh, the, boy, the boy riding the donkey, and they said, why is that boy on that donkey when the father should be on the donkey and the boys should be walking? And so they, they, they changed again and went down the road a little bit further. So the boy got off the donkey and the daddy got on. So they said, why is the dad on the donkey when the boy? Then he got down the road a little bit further. He said, why is, why don't they, he, they just walk and let the donkey walk by himself? Well, that's the way it was in the beginning in the first place. So no matter what you do, you're always going to have someone complaining. Wow. Satisfying people is a dangerous thing because you'll never satisfy everybody. What one like another may not. That's powerful. When you say trying to please everybody, you never will be able to please everybody all the time. No, you won't. And another thing, number two, they were saying that people should not fear change or we should be able to go without fear and change. What do you say about change, Dad, fear and change? Well, uh, it'll, it'll hinder you from going forward to be what God would have you to do because fear is a dangerous thing. Even the scripture tells us that he that fears is not made perfect in love because per- perfect love catches out fear. Fear is not of God. It's of the devil. So first of all, if you fear and you're already walking in a wrong in a wrong place because the Bible don't said that fear was not of God, it was of the devil. So if you're walking in fear in anything, uh, you know, I don't care what it is. God don't want you fearing. You know, we fear a butterfly. We fear a bee. We fear, yeah, it's good to be cautious of these things, but don't let them cause you to get a, a, a phobia where you're so afraid of that until it's about to take your breath because there's nothing that God will not take care of. I used to be, I was fear, I was fear of yellow jacket. But when I got saved, I was fearing God knew I was fear of yellow jacket. And I prayed that God, yellow jacket would not sting me because I was so afraid. I said, God, don't let this yellow jacket sting me. And a butterfly came by. A little old innocent butterfly came by and ran that yellow jacket away. Oh, God, it's so awesome. He cares about your fears. And if you cast them on him, he'll fix it every time. God will let you live a life where you won't be afraid. That's powerful. One of the biggest things that I see a lot of people doing, including Christians, 
is living in the past. What do you say about that? Well, Paul told us, forget those things, because the past can torment you. It can haunt you. It can hinder you. It can cause you not to be the successful person that God wants you to do. Letting the past, holding on to the past is like dragging a, a dead corpse, uh, like dragging a coffin behind you. And, 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 and you'll never be able to go so fast, and sooner or later you'll get too worn out and tired from dragging all that weight. He said, forget the things that are behind. Reach forward to the things that are before pressed to the mark of the prize of a higher calling. See, these things come to keep us from from going to the place in God. God got a high place in Christ Jesus for us, but we'll never get there if we don't let go of yesterday. We we hold on to yesterday. We worry about tomorrow, and we never enjoy today. We hold on to yesterday. We worry about tomorrow, and we never enjoy today. Wow. So living in the past is definitely a dangerous thing. Yes. Another point they put down is that overthinking, that we need to stop overthinking. What is that? Well, this is what happened to uh, to Abraham, Sarah. She overthought what God told her. God told her that she would have a child. He didn't tell her that Hagar was going to have a child and she could name it. In those days, you know, you could the midwife could, they could, they, you know, have a baby by the servant or bond woman and claim it to there. But God said, no, out of your body shall come a child. She overthought God and gave her husband away to Hagar, to the woman, the woman and, and, and it caused a problem in her home because she took matters in her own hand. God is not a lying God. If God said it, God going to bring it to pass. Wow, so we should put more trust in God, huh? Yes, in what he said, and not try to overthink God about, oh, how is he going to do it? It's, it's, you don't worry about how God's going to do it. And God, He said if he had to put wonders in heaven, he said he would do it. And he ain't got to put no wonders in heaven. God can do it because he's God. Wow. Another thing that they say is being afraid to be different. Do you have any comments about that, about being afraid to be different? Some of the most conquering people in the world are folks that got out of that bracket, got out of that box, and and became different. They they realized who they was, and they quit letting other people hold them back to be who they wanted. People want you to stay who they are. A lot of people know that you're different. A lot of people know you're victorious. A lot of people know you're an overcomer. And they know this, but they won't tell you that. So they want to do is keep you bound down, thinking that you're nobody, when they know that you're even better than they are. And they want to keep you under that comfort zone. But you got to realize that to be who you are, you got to be willing to be different. Wow, that is so true. Because like you said, when you are afraid to be different, you don't let the power and the glory of God, like you said, come into your life. And it goes back to what you're saying. You're trying to please everybody, which will never be successful. Another, yes. another point they were saying is sacrificing your happiness for others. Sacrificing your happiness for others. That is dangerous because you'll find that to be a lifetime thing. And the person that you sacrifice your life for will never sacrifice their life back for you. The Bible says do unto others. You would have others do unto you. And and, and God never told us for us to sacrifice. He told us to, for him, yes, give our life to the Lord, but he never told us to sacrifice our life 
for others, and we live miserable and live uncomfortable while they live a pleasant life and they enjoyable life while we're, we're doing everything that is pleasing to them. Living a life like that is very unjoyful and it's, and it's wrong for you to take you and do your life that way. When God, the Bible said the earth was all of us to the enjoy. God made the world, and he said all the things in the world for each, is for each and every one of us to enjoy. And I shouldn't have to give up my joy for, for you can be happy, and you ain't going to give up your joy for me to be happy. Wow. And it says here, it says thinking you're not good enough, because sometimes you deal with people who tells you you're not good enough. What do you have to say about thinking you're not good enough? Well, that's a spirit. It's a spirit of low self-esteem, and this was me. I I, I experienced that coming up, and I came experience that coming up in life because people treated me so bad, and I was born with a sickness, and 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 I, from the day that I was born, I was born with a sickness until I was in my teenage years, and and no one wanted to sit beside me in this on the school bus because I had a cold and my nose ran twenty four seven, and and I couldn't stop it no matter how hard. My immune system was so low that I almost had to be put in a bubble. And when I got on the school bus, I had a seat by myself because nobody wanted to sit me because they thought I had a some kind of d- disease or some sickness, and it made me feel so bad. It made me my self esteem was so low, so I just felt like I was I, I was nobody really important, you know. Until I started feeling that way, but I thank God that you know. Salvation, you know, it, it gives you a new mindset. It changed you. But my mama began to show me. She showed me love. She didn't treat me like they did. She let me know, regardless of what they feel, you, I got to believe in myself. She taught me how to believe in myself, who I am, not what somebody else think I am. Regardless of my sickness, my sickness is not who I am. My sickness is what I had. <laughs> you killing, Dad. You doing it? I'm telling you, bringing the word as well as wisdom. You truly have a wisdom gift. Uh, uh, one other thing that was on this uh, New Year's uh, resolution is thinking you have no purpose in life. Is that dangerous, thinking you have no purpose in life? Yes, because we realize now if you think you have no purpose in life, then you're not going to try to to go after that purpose. You're not going to do anything to try to make that happen because you, you think that you don't have anything to do. You're not going to do anything. You're going to just go to get up every morning and lay down at night, just just, 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 just making it, just surviving because there's nothing for you to do. So why would someone do something that they don't feel like that they're supposed to be doing it? And that's why Satan stops us. He makes us feel like this God has nothing for us to do. But Paul said that he ascended on high. And he gave gifts on the men. He gave gifts on all of us for the edifying of the spirit, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the turning down of strongholds, for the perfecting of the saints. All of us have been given a gift to be a blessing to one another, to make one another like. The gift was not given for us to throw off on one another, make nobody feel bad, but to make them better, to perfect them. We all in, in, and we all is in need of perfection. So we should never let no one make us feel like there's nothing for us to do. God got something for all of us to do. You know, and just as a um, a part two of that, why do people feel as though they need to dictate and control what you're doing in God or be the one who try to, for lack of a better word, you see people sometimes that you have a ministry and God is showing you how to do it. It's good to get advice from the elders, but then there's always that one person feel as though they can do it better. What do you say about that, Dad? 
Well, you just go on and let them do what they want to do and just make sure that don't, you don't connect yourself to them in such a way that they affect what you do because jealous people will not back you up. <laughs> they, will not, they will not promote you. They will always undermine you. Jealous people will always undermine you. They, they, will, they will always dig out from under you. They will always say something negative about you behind your back to others. And they'll never lift you up. They'll never praise you. You know, they, they won't, they, they don't, you'll notice that even when the birthday party, they won't even bring you a gift. Uh, they always got an excuse why they have nothing in their hand to give you because they're jealous of you when they when, when they don't know that God can bless them too. But they're so jealous of you, they're missing their blessings. They kind of hold you back. That is so true because I see things um, watching the different awards, the BET Awards and things like that, I see people that are rappers or singers or in the entertainment field. You hear them give credit to those who gave them advice, showing them how to do it. They gave them um, kudos, hand claps, that it was them who helped them to succeed. And they give out a lot of praise and accolades, even to God, for being successful like they are. But it's sad what you just said. In the Christian world, you don't hear all of that. You know, you more or less hear the condemnation, the ridicule, the criticism, whispers, you know, that people are saying about this person. And now I even watched it um, on YouTube and Facebook that there are leaders who are bashing other ones who's going forward in God. Like you said, turn them down and losing their focus in God because they're so busy, as we had just said, trying to not give credit not only to God but to give them a salute. Why do the world seem like that they could do things sometimes in a better way than Christians who know better? Well, Paul said that they that have the law, doesn't walk in the law. But they that have not the law had the law operating in them. And the world seems to to act more guilty toward the word not to do wrong than the church does. The church know the way. They know right from wrong. They, they know what the scripture said about various things. And they'll do it so quick like it doesn't mean it because God will forgive me. His grace is sufficient. But the world that ain't saved and don't know God, they, they'll be so quick not to do that thing, not to to be with another man, wife, or another woman, husband. They'll be so quick. So uh, my mama taught me, my mama told me, did. My mama bought me up in church. And they won't even do it, even though they're not even saved. But we let us say, like, it ain't nothing, because we say God will forgive us. And we take God's grace for granted. Paul says, shall we take God, shall we sin, that grace may abound? No. Grace ain't going to abound from our sin. That's going to bring a reproach against us. And God wants us to be like the ungodly, at least have fear of him, fear the Lord. The Bible says beginning the wisdom is to fear the Lord, but the church has lost the fear. Woo-hoo. That is so true. I even see uh, people are condemning Christmas, condemning those that celebrate Christmas. I hear the ministers say they don't know the day or the hour, but they would like to remind the church and the world that Jesus was born. That is the reason for the season. They made it very plain, but then you would see some pastors on Facebook and YouTube turn down those ministers who's trying to commemorate the birth of Christ 
What do you say about the birth of Christ? How important is that? It's of great importance because if Christ had not been, Paul said it, me and my wife were reading that the other day in our Bible study in the morning, we were reading, and Paul was talking to the Jews. He was having a problem with the Jews. He was having a problem with the Romans. He was having a problem with First and Second Corinthians. Now we're in Galatia. And Paul was having a problem with them because they was trying to say that Christ had not been born. And Paul said, if Christ has not been born, then we are all in vain. We might just go on somewhere and get drunk, go on to the club and get us a joint of marijuana or something, and just go on and sin and act like it don't mean nothing. If Christ had not been born, if he had not been born, then our liberty is in vain. We're just preaching a false gospel. But we know, we know, Paul said, we know that Christ, that, 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 he'd, re- that he'd been born was for the purpose that we might have a right to the tree light, that we might be saved. You know, what I don't understand is that they talk about that this not the day that Christ was born. This is not Christmas, the day he was born. They deal with all the theologies and everything they have researched. They seem to lose the most important point that Christ was born, but they're dealing with the, um, the statistics of whether it's true or not. And it's sad when you see leaders are not talking about the importance of Christ, but they're talking about each other. Well, Paul said not to argue about a particular day. It doesn't matter whether or not you worship him on Saturday. I'm doing it on Sunday. Somebody else is doing it on Wednesday. It doesn't matter. Paul said don't argue about these things, about days and weeks and months and, 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 and different things like that because it's vain. It does not nothing but bring uh, controversy and confusion. These things are not of importance. Just the fact that he was born, all that mattered. Get him in your life and let him uh, live in you. Let him change you. That's what's important. It's not whether it was Monday, Tuesday, Friday, or Sunday evening that he rose from the dead. But had he rose in you, if he rose in you, then then there'll be a change in you. That's all that matters. That is. They need to keep the focus on God and not so much on what uh, says the day or the hour. I even heard someone say that uh, the three wise men or the three kings that was following the star in the east, some that they were there when Christ was born. Others say that they were there when he was two years old. I think it's important that they were there to see that holy child. But but those leaders was dealing with, again, what they thought was theology. Why is it that, in my opinion, I have been to different third world countries, and they are so hungry for the gospel of Christ. They really want to be Christian. They want the advantage that we have here in this United States. But we seem to think about everything else, condemn, fuss, criticize, point fingers, and then talk about our brothers where the third world country just wish that they had half what we had. What did Paul mean when he says, uh, in, when you in Rome, as the Romans? When he what now? It says something in the scripture, I believe, that Paul said, when you in Rome, do like the Romans or be like the Romans. I may not be saying it right. Well, it, it, what he was trying to say is, in the spiritual, because we got a Holy Ghost on the inside of When you're dealing with people, you got to come down to where they are. He said, when I'm with the rich, I act like I'm rich. And when I'm with the poor, the poor. With the Roman, a Roman. 
other words, he said, whatever I had to become to win them over, that's what I became. We ought to humble ourselves when we witness it, because if you're a soul winner, you got to be wise. You got to humble yourself. You can't witness to a man that is hungry. See, that man ain't listening to you. That man hungry. He ain't eating days. But go to the store and get him something to eat and come back and feed him, and you have preached one of the greatest sermons in the world. You got to come down to where people are, come down to their situation, come down to their circumstance. Here, a man eater uh, up there on the, on the top of a building, should commit suicide. You gonna go up there and preach a sermon to him about Christ Jesus been born all that? No, 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 no. You need to re- find out where this man is. He's mentally fit to destroy himself. So right now, he don't need to hear no sermon about Jesus. He needs some words of encouragement that will get him off that wall. Then you can talk to him about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So we ought to come down to where the person is, where the situation is, deal with the situation where it is. Woman across the street, she got four or five kids. She ain't got no pamper. She ain't got no milk for the baby. You over there trying to have a morning service. No. Go to IJ and get some pampers and get some some Similac and get some baby milk and some nipples and, and some clothes for that baby. And then you go back on and see what kind of sermon that would be to her. Wow. That is really deep right there that they so busy trying to preach a sermon and not to see the needs of the people that they're preaching to. That's there you go. Jesus, when he did the Beatitudes, that was so kind. What do you have to say about that? I know there's something in your heart about when Jesus sat on the mountain and he was teaching the Beatitudes. That was wonderful because the Beatitudes represent humility. It represents humming yourself. Blessed are ye when men revive you and persecute you. And say, other way you blessed. He was, all that had to do with being blessed. See, there's more than one way to be blessed is somebody giving you money and 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 and, and, and cash out you a hundred dollars. And you can be blessed in the spiritual realm in such a way that people don't even imagine it. He said, when they revive you and persecute you, say all manner of evil got your fault. He said, rejoice. But see, this is what we don't do. That's why he said, rejoice. Don't get mad. Don't get on Facebook turn them down, let them know they made you mad, but I ain't really mad, but I'm just on Facebook telling you how I feel. No, God don't want you to do that. God wants you to take that liquor and keep on ticking. Let them talk about you, and you rejoice and get glad about it. Rather than calling somebody else crying, talking about they talking about me, you call somebody up and get y'all have a praise dance and say, thank God to Jesus. They're talking about me, but I'm going to give God a praise. And when you give God a praise, God should rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Because heaven's going to reward you. Wow, that is so important. I hear a lot of people say sometimes that they are being persecuted on their job. They're being treated unfair. People act like they are the one that gave them the job. They have the authority. And so many people feel downtrodden. I experienced something myself that my supervisor said, somebody said something he said, she said, to stir up confusion when I'm trying to make a lifestyle for myself and feed my family. So, God, I mean, is there any words that you like to say to people that are suffering at the hands of others, especially on their job? Yes. Uh, I had a supervisor that carried me through for four years. Four years he tore me in. He tried to find fault, I and mean, he tried to make me. He tried to make me do everything but live right. You know, he would come in, and I would get to work. I hated to go to work. Many times I would sit on my porch. I wouldn't even go. Oh, my wife thought I was gone in the car on the way to work. And I'm standing out there on the, on the outside, I, and I uh, hadn't even got in my car because I'm a, because he vexed my spirit. But God told me, you know, to wait on him. I waited patiently, Lord, and I prayed, and I 
you know, I credit the Bible, so I credit the prayer meeting. I told the saints about it. They looked like he wasn't going nowhere. Sometimes we have to deal with long suffering. We got to understand that as part of the, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Too. We we want all the other fruit, but we don't want to deal with long suffering. Long suffering is part of one of the fruits of the Spirit. We have to deal with that there too. Wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall matter with wings of the eagle. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. So I encourage whoever they may be, wait on the Lord. Oh, wait on him. He won't let you down. He won't fail you. He will not disappoint you. And after going through those four years, one, one night in prayer meeting, I, the prayer meeting was over with, and was on my way to my car, and one of the prophets from the church came to me and said, God said that your trouble your, your trouble is over. Your trouble is over. So I go to work, and I get to work, and it's still there. I'm like, wait, God, you told me it was over with. So it looked like for the next two or three weeks, it looked like nothing happened. But I goes in there on the fourth week, and it tells me that the supervisor is dead no more. He's gone. They fired him. Wow. So that's advice, like you say, to those who suffering on a job, to pray, to read the scripture, not to get upset, like you said, hold out, be calm, and let God handle it. Is that what they mean? Yeah. They said, leave it at the foot of the cross or give it to God. Yes, yeah, don't be telling other employees about it. Don't be discussing it with them. They get back to the supervisor. To the supervisor's people will say one thing to you and go back and tell the supervisor behind your back. And that makes matter even worse because they're discussing what you don't say to them about the supervisor. So hold your peace and let God fight your battle and don't share it with other employees, even though it hurt, even though you want to. Find somebody to talk to, but not, not the employees on the job. Wow, so it's like what you said, use wisdom, because yeah. discuss that it could make the situation wor- worse. And I yeah. hear sometimes people say, don't take matters in your own hand, give it to God. What is that? Don't walk off the job. Don't quit, because jobs ain't easy to find now. Uh, uh, don't you, you go doing anything and going in there and call yourself, uh, you're going to disobey the super, the, your 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 supervisor because you feel like he's wrong. Do what he tells you to do. If it be wrong, let the wrong be on him. If he tell you to go and pull that knob and you pull that knob and the machine break down and tear up and tear the whole plant up, it's his fault. You did what you were told to do. My mama always told me, do what they tell you to do, and if anything goes wrong, it'll be on them. But if you go do something you thought was right and couldn't turn out to be wrong, then you done lost your job in subordination because you disobey. Always obey your supervisor. Always obey. And, 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 and if what he's doing to you is wrong, we got people over his head. People set in a higher position that can you can go talk to. Go to the foreman. Go to the manager. Go to somebody that is over the company and tell them what they've done. That's what I had to do. Even though they didn't do anything about it that much, I still went to them and told them what was going on. Yes, sometimes, like people say, they go to their union, they don't get results. People hate to go to a lawyer and sue, but at least, like you said, that you knew your rights and they didn't do anything. How did you come off the job? What happened? You stayed there in your suffering, but what happened that you were able to be released? Uh, You mean altogether from working? Yes. Well, God told me that it was time for me to retire. He worked a miracle in my finance so that I could. We lied with early retirement. That means it was going to be a, you know, early retirement. You know, they always cut your income, you know what I'm saying? But but God worked a miracle. 
I didn't know. I, I mean, I could not have made it if he had not worked the miracle. I believe it like that. If he had not worked the miracle, I could not have made it because. But he spoke to me and told me that he wanted me and that he wanted me. He said that the, the job wanted me and he wanted me. He wanted me more of the job. So it was more important to obey God than was to obey than to obey man. So I obeyed God and I gave him my resignation. Actually, I didn't even know I could retire because uh, you know the prophets kept telling me that God said you fit retire this year. I'm like, huh? I ain't got no time in. It was based on your age and based on your longevity. You know, both of them put together. You had to have an 84 before you could retire. And I'm like, I don't have that. I didn't think I did. And so when my coworker one day was talking about retirement, I said, well, let's go look at the computer and see when, you know, what time, when I can retire. Thinking it's going to be 10 or 15 years from now, I found out that I had already qualified for retirement. Praise God. So your discomfort, staying there long enough, had an angel in disguise that showed you the way out, that God was getting you to hold out so you can leave the right way and not quit but have alternative route. That is so beautiful. Yes, I was, I was able to have uh, income. If I had quit, I would not have. I would have had nothing to look forward to, but I was able to say not only did God let me retire, but I ended up retiring with, with some of the greatest staff members, something that hadn't, hadn't happened before. See, when you retire, you just retire. But they allowed me to retire with about six or seven the principals and, 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 and teachers that had been there for 30 and 40 years. I retired. We all retired to the bank, and they gave me a banquet on top of it. Wow. So he made your enemies your footstool where they were trying to discredit you God pushed you up and credited you. That is really some hope for a lot of people that's going through, especially on their jobs, and they want to leave, but it's not in our time and it's in God's time, and that is so beautiful. Is there any other words of wisdom you like to say to the people uh, coming in for this 2023? Yes. I mean, say encourage. I keep your... Keep your, remember, put God first and, and, and keep your hand in his hand and, and don't let the enemy, uh, don't let the enemy discourage you. Now, I would like to say um, of just a few things right quick uh, concerning the mind. Uh, go, uh, to go into the new year, go in with a new mindset because this is where Satan attacks our mind. Go in with a new mindset. First of all, I want to talk about five things right quick. First of all, mind your mind. Mind your mind is like mind your business. Quit minding other people's business. Mind your own business. There's enough of, that you that you 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 got enough of times just to mind your own mind. Keep your own mind clean. Keep mess out of your mind. If you can keep mess out of your mind, then you want to worry about Satan uh, uh, taking advantage of you and using you and his own little schemes of his. So mind your mind because first of all, that's where thoughts begin. Thoughts begin in the mind. Evil thoughts. The Bible said thoughts of, 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 of adultery and fornication and sexual immorality and drugs and alcohol. It begins in the mind. See, the heart's messed up because the mind messed up. The, the, the heart don't mess up the mind. The mind messes up the heart. So you got to make sure that you keep your mind clean so you don't mess up your heart. Mind your mind, first of all, because from out of your mind come thoughts. Second of all, Mind your thoughts. But mind your thoughts. Be careful what you think. The Bible says what's never is lovely, what's never pure, what's never holy, what's never judged, what's never a good report. 
What numbers of virtue? Other words, things that are clean, things that are holy. These things will not defile your mind. These things will not lead you in the wrong direction. Paul said these things, think on these things. That's what you're doing. The Bible said that the mind that be in Christ, let that mind be in you. It is important. It is important that you let the mind of Christ be in you. It's the same thing as anything else. Whatever you, if you take the mind of a cat and put it in a dog, that that cat, that dog is gonna start sounding like a dog, you know more. He's gonna sound like a cat. You know how these movies when you take a, a serial killer mind and they take that his mind and put it in somebody, and then that person starts killing folks. Because that folk, that that person now don't have their mind no more. They got the mind of a serial killer. So it is with Christ Jesus. When you put Christ's mind in you, you ain't got your mind no more. You ain't thinking that crazy stuff you no more. You're thinking about spiritual things. You're thinking about holy things. You're thinking about righteous things. You're thinking about doing the right thing because that's all Christ thought about doing was the right thing. Christ, All Christ thought about was pleasing God, doing God's will, letting God's will be done in his life. And so when you got the mind, to Christ, all you want to do is let God will be in you. So watch your thoughts, because your thoughts become hate. Become your thoughts become your behavior. Your behavior. That's where you acting now. Now your thought got you acting like you act. Somebody said the devil make me do it. The devil cannot make you do anything. If God would allow the devil that much power, then he would be more powerful than God is. God don't even make you do anything. So why would he get a devil that kind of power to make you sin, to make you do wrong? No, the devil don't make you. He just entice you. He just encourages you. He just set the stage, and then you go do the rest. So the devil can't make you do anything. So watch your thoughts. Your thoughts will become your behavior. And your behavior is what people are watching. Your behavior is your action, what you do, how you behave from day to day. You know how you tell a child, behave yourself? Well, we as grown folk need to behave ourselves too because we act out of order sometimes contrary to God's word. Now, watch your behavior uh, because your behavior becomes a habit. Now, each and every day, you're getting up doing the same thing over and over again. God didn't deliver you. The Bible says be not entangled again from the yoke of bondage. When God brings us out, God wants to stay out. When God delivers from alcohol, delivers from drugs, delivers from persistent sex, delivers from fornication, delivers from adultery, delivers us from things we ain't got no bitter that is wrong, God don't want us to turn around and go back and be entangled again. So we have to watch it that our life don't become a habit. If you're doing the same thing over and over again each morning you get up, it's a habit. And 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 at Christian we are not have we are not habitual. We'll be oh my God, we are not habitual. We have not been trained to live that way. You're saying now the way that you that you're not Christ. Cause Paul said who you obey, that's who your father is. So watch your habits because your habits will become your character. Oh, we're talking about our character now. And your character is who you are and when people are watching you. You can say one thing, but people don't care what you say. People care about what they see, and your character is what you see. So you have to watch your character because you're representing Christ. You belong to God. You've been born again. Paul said if you name the name of Christ, ought you not walk like him? God is pleased when we walk like Christ. God is pleased when we talk like Christ. God is pleased when we act like Christ. So we have to watch our character. Why? Because our character, then we got to watch our character because our character is who we are. 
Our character is the last thing people see. That's what they're going to talk about when they lay down at night. If they see you cussing the IGA, then that's what they're going to consider you to be a cussing person. They see you drinking alcohol, part of the ABC stuff. They see you coming out in the motel room. You can say what you want to say. Your character is telling them something else. So we have to watch our character because we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are representing God in the earth. And God want to be pre God want to be proud of us. So that's why we put on the mind of Christ, so we can do Christ-like things, love one another. Families are just falling out over a foolish thing, falling over a piano and a bed and a, and, a, and, a, and a living room suit that mama left because mama died. And you want to find out what folks say, you go to a funeral. You'll find out folks that have been saved a long time act like they ain't even saved no more because they didn't get the piano or didn't get that piece of land that left behind the house. But our love for one another should be greater their material thing. So that's what I want to tell that the radio world is, as you go into the new world, into the new season, into the new, go in with a new mindset. Go in with a new thought. Go in with new ideas. Listen, if you want your life to change in 2023, then you got to think different in 2023. You can't go into 2023 with 2022 thoughts. When your thoughts, if you want your life to change, then let your thinking change. A lot of people are where they are, and they'll stay there until they learn how to think different. Try changing your thinking, and see don't your life change. Many people want to have more finance. They want to have more wealth. But every time Black Friday came, they got four flat-screen TVs, and they already got a house full of TVs already, buying unnecessary things. You can't shop all the time and become rich. You can't spend every dime that God gives you every time you get paid and expect to have wealth. You have to change your mind. You have to learn how to do without now so you can have later. To God be the glory. Wow, that is so powerful. You know, that, like you said, that we have to change our mindset. Why is it so difficult sometimes, is what you're saying, to forgive our enemies? Why is that so important? Because it's Satan doing it. It is important we forgive our enemy because, see, if we don't forgive our enemy, then our, God won't forgive us. And, and especially you think about you sick and you got someone cured with disease, or you got some chronic disease, or or, or some heart problem, or or, or or some sickness that is devastating, about to take you out of here, and you around here on your sick bed with, with unforgiveness in your heart, and you praying all these prayers that look like the prayer of the pastor praying, and the apostle praying, and the prophet praying, and you still can't be sick. Listen, God is not a lying God. God said, if you don't forgive men their trespass, neither will He forgive you. Now, he did not align God. Remember, he can forgive. He will forgive. But there are guidelines that we have to go by. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. And here you are, need to be healed. You need to be delivered and can't get your deliverance because you won't forgive. Wow. And that's like you said, we're still holding on to our past and thinking about those past hurt and pain, but we have to go for it. Yes. We do. We have to go ahead. No, you go ahead, Apostle. We we have to uh, read God's word day by day, and then we have to apply the word to our lives. It's not reading the word that changes us. Nobody changes by reading God's word. You change by doing what the word says. 
The scripture said we are not justified for reading the word. We're not justified for knowing the word. We're justified whenever we do what the word said. Justified means to be pleased, to be accepted in someone's sight. We're justified. We're pleasing God. We're satisfying God. God is, is satisfied with us because we took the word, we read what it says, and then we did it. The scripture said we are clean by the word that is spoken to us if we do what's never we said. If you don't do what the word says, you'll never be clean. God's word cleanses us when we do it. Say, for example, he said, thou shalt not commit adultery. That means for me not to fool around with somebody else's wife or husband. That's simple. When I stop doing that, then I'm being justified in God's sight. I'm doing what God said. It, it, it said, visit the mind, says the Lord. I repay. Now, if I go and take matters in my own hand and, and try to fix the problem, then I didn't obey the word of God, and then I got to suffer the consequence, may end up in prison the rest of my life because I wouldn't kill someone. I went and took the matter in my hand. When God said, vision was mine, I repay. God will repay. But if I go and pay, then God is going to leave it alone, and I'm going to have to suffer the consequence. So we cannot just read the word. The Bible says, love you one another as I love you. So we got to love one another as Christians, as God loved us, and quit making excuses why we can't. She did this and she that. Think about what we did to God and how he forgave us and loved us anyway. We got to let the love of God be spread abroad in our heart that we love the way God told us to love and forgive and let go, let this malice go that it might not destroy us. Wow, that is so beautiful. It's, it's sad I was speaking to a pastor today. You'll love her Dad, her name is Pastor Gaskin, and she's out of Virginia. She's a sweet person. She has a deliverance ministry, too. And I was speaking to her today. It's sad when we had to forgive those who spitefully misused us because there's enough blessings for all of us. Why do people, and this is the last question I hope to ask you. I don't want to tire you out. But why do Christians desire other people's whatever they think that God is giving them? Don't they realize that it's enough blessings that God got for them? What is this this desire? You know, I look at the world, and I I, I look at what there's, like I said, BET, those different awards, and you hear those artists talking about trying to make the music better, trying to reach more, trying to do things for family and mom, and they're constantly thinking about what they could do to improve their art or their brand. But it's sad when you look at the Christian world, we're too busy like crabs pulling each other down, stabbing each other, worried about the membership, worried about the church, worried about, you know, things that's carnal. Why is it like that where they don't understand there's enough blessings from God, especially for Christians? Well, see, remember, this started in heaven. It, it, this this spirit started in heaven when when Satan wasn't satisfied being who he was. He was second in charge, they say, unto God. He walked upon the diadems and the diamonds and, and the ruby, and he shined a light, a beautiful light. He was called beautiful because that's what he was. But he wasn't satisfied with what position he held, what God had gave him. I mean, he had everything. But yet he said, I want more. He wants to exalt myself above God. And then I'm going to be worshipped. I'm going to be praised. And that same spirit is in people now. They just don't want to be grateful. They're just for what a little bit they have. The Bible said in everything, give thanks. We give thank God for something. We don't give thanks for everything. He said in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will. Just be thankful for every little thing. 
then God is God is more pleased. Then he'll bless you more when you could just be grateful and not be envious about somebody else's, how they sing in the choir or how they preach the message. Oh, they sound so good now you want to mock them or, 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 or bring, throw a stumbling block in their way because they sang under the anointing. Yeah, but we all just need to be grateful. And then we'll be grateful and thankful. Then we want to be called up in the spirit. And the Bible said, lift one another. See, this is what we fail to do, what the scripture says. It said, esteem other higher than yourself. He shouldn't get mad at you because you got a radio station or God here bless you. But be glad that God got you a radio station. And be telling everybody, oh, my God, it really blessed Apostle Margie. Oh, she got a radio station. Oh, she got a broadcast all over the world. I thank God for her. That's what they should be doing. But instead, they get jealous. Wow, that is so true. You know, what you just said, you know, I always try. My daughter said to me, Mommy, you're kind. A lot of people are not like you. I hear different leaders tell me when God gives you a blessing, you need to keep it for yourself. But I get joy, you know, trying to encourage others about radio or TV or put them in a direction where they can get a job or give them references. I remember when I used to work with the gang boys to try to help them to get back into society because I have a strong ministry of help. But for some reason, I don't understand this. People don't want you to give it to them. It's so easy. Look like they want to hook a crook or something to come with it rather than say, you know, God put this on my heart to share this with you. Why do men sometimes don't want, you know, I don't know how to say it. They rather have it in a difficult way rather than say, you know, call this person. Here's a phone number if you want to get on radio TV. Why do they have to come with a motive or they want it to come another different way? I can't even say it. Well, jealousy is back to jealousy. Remember I said earlier, people that are jealous never want you to have nothing. They won't never nobody else to hook up with you. If they're if they already jealous and then you hook up with somebody else, that's going to make you bigger. They don't want you bigger. They want you smaller. They'd rather hear that you're sick than hear you well. They'd rather hear you lost the radio station rather than hear that you got it. They'd rather hear that the radio station ain't doing nothing rather than hear that it is doing something. They are jealous people, and they will always be here because they are that, that mindset. And what you have to do is just go on anyhow and leave jealous folks like that behind. Don't even, don't even, pay, don't even entertain no conversation with them because just talking to them, asking their questions don't kind of drain you. Sometimes you just have got to stay away even from their questions. Oh, that is so powerful. You know, I just I always look at it that I remember I heard Dr. Martin Luther King say one time that he didn't want his living to be in vain. And I say I don't know the day or the hour that I will go home. I hope I can help somebody along the way. And I appreciate you coming on tonight. Nobody knows this, but this is my testimony, and I want you to hear it all over the world. Don't think because I'm on this radio station I don't get sick, I don't get attacked. Things happen that people lie. They try to uproot my job, my family. My children suffer, families suffer. But we pick up our cross to follow Jesus. I was so sick yesterday. Nobody knows this. I had surgery yesterday. Dad, while I was on the radio, the more I talked about Jesus, the sicker I got. I got to the point that I sweated so bad that I thought my temperature went up to 105. And all I could say was, Jesus, give me the strength to finish out this radio broadcast. Because if I die, 
I want to die uplifting God. I thank God for you because I called you at short notice. I didn't tell nobody. I just had surgery yesterday, and I am really not well. You come on tomorrow, but you didn't mind coming on tonight to give me a helping hand. You don't mind coming on the radio. I am so grateful that ever since I met you, I don't know how many years ago, that you have been an encouragement. You have been like a father. You have prayed me through. You have given me hope, and I'm so grateful. Anything I can do to push you in ministry. And I tell a lot of people, they don't notice. Sometimes I try to push the radio on them because I feel as though I'm getting older. I may not can go all the way. So I try to pass the baton, but it keeps falling back in my lap. But I thank God for you because I was so sick. And I said, God, I got so much on my schedule. I just got off work, but I said I'm going to go down here and to give God the praise. So I thank you for being unselfish. I thank you for giving me your time. I thank you for coming on this radio station. Nobody knows, and I wanted to share that. And I want to tell the radio audience that, that you got to press your way. I'm full of bandages and stitches, blood dripping everywhere. I just got out of the hospital yesterday, but I'm on this radio giving God the praise. This is a man that lives what he's with his wife and his family. And I want to say to everybody, there's enough blessings for everybody. Anything I can do to tell you about radio TV, you got it. Any day you want to come on, you got a word pressing in your heart, call me. I give out the number all the time. So just treat each other the way you want to be treated, and don't be jealous. And especially don't try to uproot the door that God has opened for somebody else because it could be your blessing to go in. So, Dad, can you give us a closing prayer? Thank you for your time. I didn't mean to exhaust exhaust you telling us so much wisdom, but I thank you for coming on because I'm, I'm really supposed to be on bed rest for the next 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours. So can you give us a prayer? Yes, God, in the name of Jesus, and we come to the close of this radio broadcast. I ask that you bless everyone under the sound of my voice, God, in the name of Jesus. Somebody that has been sick for a long time, I give you the authority that you'll give me to decree a thing. And I agree they be healed and made whole. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the doctor done done. I don't care how many tests they done ran. I command right now that a miracle be worked in the airway. A miracle be worked in the broad area broadcast. A miracle be worked in the name of crown of their head and the sole of their feet. That the bleeding would dry up. That the condition would leave. That they'll wake up in the morning knowing that they're whole knowing that they've been whole, healed, delivered, and set free, God. And they go into this new, into this new year. Let them go in with a new mindset, for you only can change what that they want to change. So let them go into the new year with a new mindset and a changed mind, and that, that things might take, the changes might take place, that miracles might be worth, and the glory might be your touch margin. Touch it from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. You add an increase, Lord. Give a complete healing, Lord. Do what the doctor could not do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. And for all of our radio listeners that Apostle Lockamy will be on tomorrow at 7 o'clock, please tune in, bring family and friends to come in and listen to this dynamic man of wisdom. And like he said, fix it, Jesus, that only that he can. God bless you, sir. Thank you for your time this evening. Yes, you're welcome. Be blessed. God bless you. Thank you.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.